That one, year number four. It's a yank on the footy with Craig Wessels. Let's all sit back and enjoy a chat about the greatest game on the face of the earth. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 254 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels, coming from Sandusky, Ohio. Balmy Sandusky, Ohio. We actually got up to about 20 degrees today. Got my dog out for about an hour and a half worth of walks today. Beautiful, beautiful day. It's going to be great all week. I am absolutely thrilled that you've tuned in. In this episode, I'm going to be sitting down to chat very soon with Andrew Zobel of the Adelaide Lutheran Bulldogs, a very interesting and unique footy club. Uh, and I really like the approach that they take to going about doing things. Now, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget that if you are interested in having your local club get a shout-out during an upcoming episode, uh, drop me a note via email at ayankonthefootygmail.com. Uh, head over to uh, my Facebook page. You can find me on Facebook. Look for my name, Craig Wessels, on there or on LinkedIn or at a Yank on the Footy Podcast on Facebook, at Yank underscore on on Twitter as well. I uh, love being able to highlight the clubs. I do want to mention if you're somebody who has not... Listen to maybe some of the older episodes of the podcast. I have begun uh, going back and updating and uploading um, much of the older catalog of episodes, if you will. Uh, not everything, but a lot of the things there on Rumble. Most of them are already on my YouTube channel, so if you wanted to you know, go over there and subscribe, just look for my name, Craig Wessels, on there. But uh, if you look for a yank on the footy on Rumble, I have, I believe, about seven or eight episodes up right now. I am going to be putting all of the ones uh, that are pertaining to the um, NFL and AFL relationship here very soon because I plan on doing a little bit of uh, advertising about that. So I want to have those in place. So hopefully people will check those out. Now, also, again, if you haven't done so, I do hope you'll check out the blog post from April the 5th, which uh, is where I'm making the case why I believe NFL fans would love the AFL. So if you've got an American uh, NFL fan who hasn't followed footy yet, uh, send them that direction. Send them the link to the blog post, and I, and I think I might be able to convince them to check out footy and give it a fair shake. Now, today's club of the episode, you might guess, are the Adelaide Lutheran Bulldogs. And uh, the Adelaide Lutheran Sports Club, which includes football, netball, and cricket, has been around since the 1960s. And uh, within the last couple of years, if I'm not mistaken, 2019, I believe, uh, the club celebrated their 50th anniversary. The men's A-grade club opens up their fixture on the 22nd of April, facing off against Smithfield at the Smithfield Oval. Now, as I'd mentioned, my guest is very much involved with this club and we're going to be learning a lot more about the Bulldogs as we go forward. So I wish the Bulldogs the absolute best this year. I hope they have a phenomenal year. Uh, it's going to be a bit more of a challenge than uh, than maybe they've had recently, as you'll hear about in the podcast. But uh, I do hope they have a fantastic year. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and jump into my chat with uh, Andrew Zobel, or as we'll be you know, referring to him through much of the, the discussion, Zobes. All right, so let's go ahead and dive in. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back for another footy discussion from the vantage point of one of the local clubs in South Australia. And my guest this episode is a longtime football player and coach, and he's returned to coaching this year after a few years away from the game. He is a mad 
Crows supporter, absolutely thrilled about the uh, the game this past weekend at the Adelaide Oval. And I'm excited to uh, chat with him about his uh, foray back into coaching. I am absolutely thrilled to welcome Andrew Zobes Zobel to the podcast. Zobes, thanks for coming on this morning, man. Yeah, good on you, Craig. Thanks. And you're right, I am a mad Crow supporter and particularly happy this week. So it's a good week to get me. Oh, yeah. Well, it absolutely is because I'm sure you were a little nervous going into the uh, into the game this past week because, you know, I I, I have to go back and, and listen to my previous episode, but I, I think I did tip Port Adelaide in this game, but uh, yeah. I just... Yeah, we were. Yeah. We were expected um, to win, so that's expected. And, and and you know what they, I think I t- I think I actually tipped them to finish ninth on the ladder this year ahead of uh, Fremantle, who I thought would maybe drop out of finals, and somebody who might be a grand final favorite right now in Collingwood. Um, I thought Collingwood, with all those close games last year, might just have a little bit of a slide, and they haven't done so as of yet. But uh, no. you know, we're going to get into talk about uh, your uh, your foray into coaching and. Uh, you you've coached this particular club in the past and you took a few years away and you you've now um based upon the messages that we've traded back and forth uh you have a little bit more free time than you previously had which is which is really really cool um but you are coaching which club right now if if we may if we may ask yeah sure so i'm back coaching adelaide lutheran football club which is uh in the uh, the CBD of Adelaide, uh, South Australia. So I had uh, coached them a number of years ago. Uh, I did a, played a lot of my football and uh, and coached in uh, country South Australia. Mm-hmm. And I'm from Adelaide originally, but uh, moved back to Adelaide, which is the capital of South Australia. Uh, and when I moved to Adelaide, uh, the the club connected with me, and I coached them for a number of years. And uh, yeah, they uh, they reached out uh, last year and just. Uh, Gauge my interest in coming back and uh, and uh, helping them out, which, uh, as you say, I've uh, I've got a bit of free time now. I've actually just <laughs> sold my company, so uh, it gives me uh, gives me something to do and keeps me out of my uh, from under my wife's feet, which that's she's quite fa- happy about. So that's fantastic. So so she she was on board with you. She you know you, you you've sold off your company, and is this at a point in time where she's just sitting there tapping her fingers on the dinner table, going, "Okay, what are you going to do this morning?" You yeah, mean, it didn't even get it didn't even get to the finger tapping bit. I'll be honest. She, okay. Uh, okay. she was uh, fairly two hands in the back, saying, "Right, you've got to get out and do something." Pushing but, you uh, out the door. Okay. Oh, well, there you go. There you she's go. A, so, she's actually. Uh, I must. I, I should give a shout out to her because she's been a very supportive wife over. Well, I've been coaching over twenty five years now, and uh, she's been a you know she's been a uh, a football coach's wife for as long as she can remember. But uh, she's hugely supportive, and that uh, that makes taking on any role a lot easier. Obviously, when you've got the support of the family so that's out, that's yeah. outstanding but the, the 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 one drawback though as you've mentioned is that uh is that she's not a crow supporter but uh that's no, okay that's okay right that's um, <laughs> well I probably should publicly announce that she is a collingwood supporter so uh, but i married her anyway so uh <laughs> we seem to we, <laughs> we seem to get over that hurdle but uh and she's obviously up and about at the moment because as you rightly said the uh yeah. The Collingwood Mad Pies are, uh, are flying at the moment. Oh, man, they're looking, they absolutely they're looking are. Pretty good. Yeah, they absolutely are. So, I, I guess before we dive into the club, you know, you know, you, you've sold off your your company and you're you're ostensibly retired. You have some free time on your hand. If 
if Adelaide Lutheran had not come along to you and said, uh, Zobes, we'd really like you to come back and coach, what do you think you'd be doing with your time right now? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I guess uh, I knew the Adelaide Lutheran role was uh, was coming up. It were involvement with the club uh, in some capacity. So whether that okay. was coaching or a, a football director or whatever. So I, I knew a long way out that there was uh, there was some work to be done there. So um, so had it not been for footy, um, I probably would have found my way to another football club. I mean. Uh, Coaches, uh, administrators, etc., are, are, are a bit skinny on the ground. So there's always a role for someone, particularly someone experienced, I guess, who you know. I'd like to think I know what I'm doing. So, uh, so I probably would have gravitated to a to a football club somewhere. Um, you know, I, I, when I say I'm retired, I'm you know I'll probably get back involved on maybe a couple of boards. I do do a bit of charity work already, and uh, I'll probably ramp that up a little bit as well. Now we get involved with a few charities around the place. So uh, yeah, so there's always something to do, and there'll be something to be involved with. So uh, yeah, I wasn't going to be sitting idle for too long. I don't think. Okay. So you 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 were when you know you had known as you said a little bit maybe ahead of time that this was likely to come up so um you were you're waiting for them to maybe make the call and you 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 did did you just jump right into it as though like i'm okay yes i'm in it wasn't something you had to think about oh uh, it was a it, the, the short version of the, the story is that i reconnected with the club uh 12 months ago um we uh, Adelaide Lutheran play in what's called the Adelaide Amateur League, uh, which mm-hmm. is seven divisions. Um, obviously, one being the stronger, the seventh being the uh, the, the less strongest. Um, and basically, uh, Adelaide Lutheran have been sitting around in div- div- Division Six and Division Seven for the last few years. Um, so the club kind of reached out and said, "Look, would you mind coming back and just you know having a look at what we're doing and maybe mm-hmm. some ideas around." Getting us back up the divisions uh, potentially, um, so I, I took on, a, I guess, a, um, a director's role last year, whereby I was more just an observer at the club and okay. just finding out, you know, maybe areas that they needed to improve on and fix and whatever. Uh, had a really good working relationship with the coach, um, who uh, I thought was a particularly good coach. Um, they played off in the grand final, and how it works in the amateur league in the in Adelaide is um, your top two teams of any division go up to the to the higher league, and the bottom two go down. So uh, Adelaide Lutheran played in the the grand final of Division Seven last year, which means they go up to Division Six uh, this year, and uh, and that's been kind of the problem with the club is it goes up to six, it comes back down to seven, and okay. uh, you know it, it kind of stagnated a bit over the last few years. So. Uh, yeah, so basically the coach, so what happened from there is uh, I sat down with the coach to do a bit of forward planning for, for this year around, um, you know, how we can get ourselves, now we're in six, how we can get ourselves up to five. And uh, he basically said, look, I'm, I'm cooked, I've, uh, <laughs> I've done, I'm done, I, uh, yeah. I want a bit of a spell, would you consider coming back and coaching? And we kind of talked through that and uh, I figured the best way to make some of the changes that I was recommending back to the club was to, uh, to get back and actually get my hands dirty with coaching again. Uh, recruiting was probably the big area we needed to concentrate on. Um, so, and I'd already put a few things in place for getting a number of recruits back to the club. And uh, so the best way to, to uh, I guess, follow that one through was to, to get back and and uh, and coach again. So, yeah, it wasn't the intention to get back into coaching, but it kind of just fell that way. And okay. uh, and, and now I'm kind of back doing it knee deep and our, our season kicks off in a couple of weeks' time. Mm-hmm. So you kind of answered you answered what was going to be my next question there, which is which is great, because I was going to ask you, you know, I I wasn't sure because I was going to ask about how do clubs move from one level or one division to the next and you know I, so 
So there, there's there, if a club actually begins to excel and has a lot of success, they could theoretically go from say division seven in one year to six to the next. And if they excel there, they could possibly move up to five if, if circumstances yeah, feel that way, but it's okay. So, so you have to be playing well to stay where you are and exceptionally well to move up. Yeah, correct. I mean, obviously it's inherently more difficult each year because you're mm-hmm. going up to a stronger competition. So right, right. you're effectively going in um, and starting all over again and playing in a stronger competition. So that's why recruiting becomes, um, you know, crucial. Um, you have to increase your stocks and, uh, you know, your quality of players and uh, and your depth of players as well. So, um, so yeah, but look, there, there is history of clubs that have gone up through three or four divisions uh, in one run, which is, you know, particularly impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'd like to think that the work that we're putting in with Lutherans, uh, you know, and the forward planning we put in that uh, obviously our intention is to get ourselves up a couple of divisions. Whether we do that in consecutive years or not, you know, we'll wait to be seen. But, uh, you know, I think the way we've gone about it this year already, it's, you know, one year at a time, of course. But uh, we uh, we think we'll be pretty competitive now that we've, we've got ourselves into Div 6 and who knows from there. Okay, so... You mentioned in the uh, information that you shared with me uh, as we were getting ready to prepare this, you, you talked talked about something that I thought was a rather unique way to put it. You you mentioned that uh, that as an amateur club. So first of all, the athletes that are playing on your club, they're there playing just for the love of the game, correct? They're not receiving any kind of remuneration. Yeah, that's right. Um, it, it's which I'll be honest is a bit of a rarity in amateur football in Australia these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's regardless of whether it's country or whether it's in the in the cities. I mean, we play in the Adelaide Amateur League, but very few of the clubs are actually amateur in status uh, in the sense that, uh, you know, most clubs will pay their senior players or their good senior players. Some play a lot of their players. Some pay, you know, a few of their players. Um, Adelaide Lutheran doesn't have that budget, so ours is purely an amateur club. So okay. we are 100% amateur and don't pay anybody. Okay. Which, um, from a from a recruiting perspective, can make it challenging, but in some ways it also makes it easier because you're not having to negotiate out uh, fees and you know remuneration and who's worth what, um, you know, without having That's seen fair. them play necessarily. So, so I, you know, I, I actually find that side of it with recruiting uh, quite comforting because you know if someone starts talking about how much am I going to get paid. Um, it's a pretty simple answer, and you know clearly we're not the club for them. Mm-hmm. So um, so you can move on pretty quickly. So yeah, but it, it is interesting because uh, it's a very topical uh, situation at the moment with uh, Australian footy, uh, particularly in the country areas. And there was actually an article in our, our local paper uh, on the weekend where um, they're actually going to do a review on on some of the country leagues in terms of the money that they're paying because I'm not sure how it is over there, but our country leagues are actually diminishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, more kids are coming to the going to the cities for you know work or university or whatever. Right, right. So they're finding it harder and harder to retain kids and obviously you know grow their competition. So what's happening is they're throwing out some fairly serious dollars for people to go back to the country on weekends to play, um, and the figures are, are getting quite high you know for someone to go back i mean uh you know so there, there's stories of some people getting paid up to kind of three thousand uh, dollars australian a game wow. just to go back and, and have a kick of of you know what effectively is amateur footy so um yeah so it is something that they do need to control there are salary caps involved with mm-hmm. most leagues but you know there's obviously always ways around that and uh you know the clubs will get uh 
will get creative and uh, and find their ways around that. So um, yeah, so it is a bit of a problem in footy, um, and it is something that's now being being addressed at a higher level. Well, it's it's interesting since since none of your athletes are getting paid, and if and and I don't know what kind of turnover you have in terms of whether or not players come back from one year to the next. But the good thing about it is when you do sit down to quote unquote negotiate with them, you can go in and tell them. You know what? You had such a great year last year. We're going to pay you three times as much as we paid you last year. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> and that is that has been used a couple of times. I'm not going to lie. So it's good to see we're on the same page. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Actually, for the real good players, we can we can times it by ten. So that's there you good. go. Yeah, just I, I I I joke with my students when they they announce it that during the morning announcements at school who's having birthdays and such. And I tell them, I said, you know what? I decided to splurge this year. I got you twice as much as I got you last year for your birthday. And <laughs> Inevitably, there's that one kid that it takes just a nanosecond for them to realize. There you go. <laughs> Wait a minute. You didn't. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I didn't get you anything last year. Uh, but you know, you said something else in in the notes that 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 you said that that that, that Adelaide Lutheran was like a a country footy club in the CBD, and you know, be, being somebody who teaches, uh, I teach a college level uh, human geography course. Uh, CBD. I know that acronym there. So. Um, but uh, yeah. not having lived in a in a major metropolitan area, my my town has about twenty six thousand people in it. But uh, how how is Adelaide Lutheran like a a country footy club in the major metropolitan area that is Adelaide? Well, I guess one of the strategies that they've employed over the years has been to really try and target uh, country kids coming to the city. Um, it's a it's a magnificent place. It it really is a, a beautiful club. It's full of uh, fantastic long term volunteers um, and they really have created I guess this haven of uh, safety for kids that do come from the country whether they're coming up for university or or maybe a trade um, you know whatever or just moving to the big smoke for work you know Mm -hmm. Uh, it's it's uh, they've really been able the club's really been able to tap into that network of different country areas and the kids coming out and it does provide them I guess with a, a safe place to meet new people, you know, do what they enjoy, which is play, you know, football on weekends. Um, and as a result, the club's been pretty successful in that. And, and the advantage with that is it's not a it's not a, a, a dollar-driven drive. It's, you know, it's just providing an opportunity for people to come out and, and meet some other young people. So as a result, I would suggest that probably 80% of our players, uh, our playing group comes from, you know, young blokes that have done that and and come to the the city, they're there, you know, and obviously, you know, some of them stick around for a while, some of them go back home. Um, but, you know, it, effectively then what you have is by default, you're left with a, a whole heap of country kids um, playing there. So it is very much, it's got that country uh, atmosphere about it because most of your personnel are from, from the country. The other thing that we do uh, have associated with the club, which is fairly unique in the city, is that we have a netball side. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the sport of netball. It's very much a, I, I, a I, Commonwealth yeah. game. Yeah. Yep. I, I know what it is. I, I mean, I've seen a couple little video clips of it, and I just I I wonder whether or not the uh, whether or not at the clubs are going to actually invest in a backboard ever. Um, yeah. But... <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's the one. Exactly. Yeah. I've often wondered that myself, but. Uh, 
But so uh, netball is very huge. It's, it's mm-hmm. certainly the most popular uh, women's sport in Australia. Um, and we're in the unique position where we've got uh, a netball club associated with our club as well. And they play across the road and we've got 16 netball sides. So that's very typically a country football club that has a football and a netball club. And it's a family environment. You spend your Saturdays you know, going to the football and the netball, you know, the kids play footy, the, the sons play footy, the daughters play netball, mm-hmm. and then, the, you know, they're there for the senior footy. That's obviously changing a lot in Australia, as I'm sure it is uh, worldwide, where a lot more uh, uh, young ladies are playing Aussie rules these days, which is great, but there's still, a, you know, and obviously a lot of uh, girls that are playing netball. So we've got that country feel with a netball club associated, or sorry, okay. netball teams associated with the club. So when you come into the club rooms on a Saturday night at Adelaide Lou, You've got the players, you know, uh, who have played during the day, the the men. You've got the women that come in from having played netball across the road. And it's just got that, you know, that familiarity of being in a country club because that's what it was like back home. And and I think that's been a draw card for us as well. So is it is it in a way, you know, because from what I have what I've learned from. You looking at, you know, so many different clubs around the country. It seems as though, in, especially in like the small towns and in, in the country footy, as you're talking about, that that club, whether you know, with the footy netball and whatever whatever activities they have associated with those things, that it is like the hub around which the wheel of that small town or that community rotates. Absolutely, is, absolutely. Is that, is that the same yeah, thing no, with, you... with Adelaide Lutheran? So that you know, at, you know, after after an evening of, of games and such, that that. A, a good contingency of uh, contingent of the folks stick around there, even though there are copious different opportunities for people to go out for nightlife and that sort of thing throughout Adelaide. Yeah, I guess to a certain degree, it, it, you've, you've definitely got it right with the the country towns. The the sporting clubs or the football netball clubs are the mm-hmm. heartbeat of of any country town in Australia, right? And uh, and that's the sad part with uh, with footy kind of dying off in the country areas just through lack of numbers, and you know it's mainly because the kids aren't sticking around. But certainly that's that's something we've tried to replicate with Adelaide Lutheran. Uh, it's obviously a little bit different in the city because there's so many more things for the young people to do. You know, you've got nightclubs, pubs, bars, you name it, and they can go out and do whatever they want. So, so we try to, you know, and, create and that li- libraries, libraries, and museums as well, because you know oh, we know we know, know a lot of number, people are hitting the libraries and museums. The number of times I can't get blokes out the training because they're they're stuck in a library. You know, I've forgotten count, but uh, yeah, that's don't get me started on that one. But um, uh, yeah, exactly. So look, it, it's not quite the same, but yeah, it is. It is something that we are trying to replicate and keep them in in the club as long as possible. And it is a very good environment, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's not quite the same, but it's uh, it's a good fun place to be. So what are you expecting for your club this year? I know that you were not able to make it to your practice uh, contest. I think that was this past weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we had a trial game on the weekend. I actually did go. I had COVID, as as you know, but uh, I went and sat in the car and just uh, suffered in silence. I actually sat on the bonnet of the car because, I mean, that's the beauty of, of amateur footy with a lot of clubs. You can still drive to the game. You mm-hmm. can park your car up at the, the fence and you can sit there and watch, which is great. So so effectively, I did that. Last year's coach actually took the reins of the club for the trial game, and, uh, and that was great. So we kind of... Uh, we got through it, no problem, and uh, I got to at least observe and, and make a heap of notes. So, uh, um, so yeah, so what's our expectation? We start in, uh, in two weeks' time. We have recruited uh, really well, strongly. We've, uh, okay. I think we're up to, um, our latest counties, we're up to 37 
new recruits for the year, um, which sounds impressive and it sounds a monster number, but it's really just one of those things where we've had an influx of a lot of young players coming. You know, a lot of them are from the country. Mm -hmm. And what happens when you start uh, having an effect there is that, you know, then all of a sudden people that they're running into in their new university life say, well, I'm here from wherever. Are you playing football? Yes, I'm out of Adelaide Lutheran. and I might come out for a kick and then it kind of, it snowballs from there. So we've okay. been really effective. You know, uh, some of those uh, 37 will be, you know, A-grade players. Some of them will be B-grade players. We've got, we've actually got three grades with our club. So we've got an A-grade, a B-grade and a C-grade. So, um, you know, so we're going to we've basically filled the lists of uh, of the teams that we've got. And, uh, yeah, we'll have plenty of depth, which I think is an important component of uh, a very successful sporting organisation. You've okay. got to have the depth there that you can call on. I think that'll be one of our one of our strengths this year. So, now, look, it's a bit hard to know how where we're going to go, though. Yeah. yeah, because you're moving up a division this year as well, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. And we so, don't know a lot about the other clubs. So, yeah. So if you... Uh... I guess I want to explore this a little bit since the, since the players are, since the athletes are all amateurs and are not getting you know paid through the club, is there, is there anything that the club is able to do in terms of maybe having connections with employers and things of that nature where they're able to help line up um, yeah, employment with a, some people and that sort of thing? Yeah, it's a good question. It's actually a very topical point where uh, it's a pretty well-connected club. And I know for a fact that we've already had a couple of young fellas who hit town going to university for the first mm -hmm. time. And, you know, Zobes, uh, I'm looking for some part-time work. Um, obviously, they don't know anyone or anything. And then we can we connect them with some people with the club. You know, it might be someone with a gardening ground or whatever that, that gives them a bit of work. And, and we've already achieved that with a few blokes, so that's great. Okay. Interestingly, we had a young fellow who came from the uh, – from the west coast of our state um, who was looking for an apprenticeship and he rang me the other day and just said oh look i might have to go home i'm looking you know i'm, I'm not cup on an apprenticeship and i said well tell me what it is you're after and let's at least explore our opportunities and uh anyway short story but uh we connected him in with uh, actually our, our club captain knew of somebody that was looking for an electrical apprentice uh we married the two up and the young fella started this week on a three-month trial um, which is fantastic news, yeah. And look, it is that sort of club. It's it's um, you know it's a caring club, and it's one that uh, you know is there for its players and its supporters, and they just help each other out. And I know that's not unique to a footy club. That's what a footy club does. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know that's a it's a really strong point of Adelaide Lutheran because it is a very caring club and a very inclusive club. So uh, yeah, so you're right. We do we do actually have quite a bit of impact in that area. But what is interesting in that situation, if that if that young man had to go. Back, you said that he was in the western. He's in the western part of that. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Western, so, yep. so if he's having to go home, the opportunity for him to play footy is probably gone for the year because you know the clubs that he might have tried to play for have probably already filled their lists. Now he may find the job, but he'd be losing yeah. out on a year of of playing the game that he loves as well. So I mean, this really this really worked out well for him then. Yeah, I think so. Although, I guess the thing with going back to the country is that they're always looking for players. So okay, it would be highly enough. unlikely he would go back home and, and not find himself getting a game of football because they'd, they'd actually be really keen to see him come back. But he was, he'd moved to Adelaide. He was loving life in Adelaide and wanted to stay. And, you know, we, we made, you know, we were able to facilitate a, a, you know, a bit of assistance for him. And um, mm -hmm. now he's up and away and gets to stay in Adelaide. So, uh, yeah, good opportunity for him, which is good. So, 
we I guess we need to go back to the beginning in your case and and talk about how you got into coaching because you've been doing this for a while and if I'm not mistaken I did see a, a photo that you shared which I'm I'm sure is probably gonna end up somewhere where other people will see it maybe um that uh you know showed you at a you know relatively young age coaching and I think you were actually still in uniform at that point in time too yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So we can make it clear. I don't go shooting out photos of myself in the uh, in coaching <laughs> gear. It's, it's the only uh, it's the only football photo I've actually got of myself. So uh, yeah, so people think I'm trying to relive the youth if I ever show it. But uh, but um, in answer to your question, yes. So my first foray into coaching was what we call a player coach, which mm-hmm. basically means um, you know you're still playing but you're coaching the side at the same time and it means you've got some support staff on the side, which I'll be honest, in the country is generally how it's done. Rarely do you get a non-playing coach. Your first coach okay. is usually, and that's usually uh, driven by money because if so, you know, if you're going to recruit, um, you know, a, a good player and you can get, or you're a good coach, and you and they're a you know pretty reasonable player at the same time. You're kind of killing two birds with one stone. So that's generally how it's done. Um, from my point of view, I found that the playing coach was uh, the best entry level into into coaching. Um, and obviously, I was I think I was 29 or might have been 28 when I first started. Um, and you know, made a lot of mistakes early on. And you know, but I I learned. But being on the ground with a new bunch of players whatever you got to know them a lot more intimately and uh yeah i found the playing coach side of things really good and uh, i did that for probably three or four years and you know i retired a bit after that and then continued on as a non-playing coach from there so and that's generally the journey of of most long-term you know amateur uh, coaches okay so you initially began playing if i if i read it correctly you did a lot you did well maybe not initially but you played a lot with uh south Gawler. I played a little bit. I played, I started my, so I'm from Adelaide originally or from Paula, which is just out of Adelaide. And uh, I played my senior footy there at a fairly young age and uh, I left Gawler at uh, the age of 19 or 20. So I'd played a bit of senior footy up there already. And then I moved to the southeast of the state, which is right down the bottom, a town called uh, Mount Gambia, which is similar to yours, population of about Mm -hmm. 26,000. Absolute sport mad town. If you went into town and you played, you know, any sort of sport, they could cater for it. But it was kind of an automatic entry level into social circles by just being, you know, being able to play sport or being involved with the sporting club was just the best thing to do when you you went to these towns. So so I was down uh, in Mankambi for the next uh, 24, 25 years. Um, you know, met my wife there. Uh, my kids were born there. Um, set my business up down there. So... You know, so kind of whilst I'm not from Mount Gambia, Mount Gambia played a huge part of my life. And obviously okay. my football career, most of my footy was all my, all my well, pretty much all my footy was played down there. And, you know, a fair chunk of my coaching was down there as well until I moved back to Adelaide. Okay, because one of the uh, one of the clubs that I did a uh, a preview for, and I actually had a couple of players, well, actually one of the players, the, the team president on the club was the club from Nangwari. Oh yeah, so yeah. Nangwari were were uh, a team that I coached against in my mm-hmm. first few years. I coached a, a team called Kalangadu. So uh, yeah, there's some interesting yep. uh, names in some of those small them, yeah. country towns. Tarpena. Yeah, that's right. And uh, Tarpena, yeah, who have actually since folded, unfortunately. But yeah. um, Nangwari, ironically, back in my days, which was in the mid '90s, was uh, they were very very strong. They've had it a bit tough for the last few years, unfortunately. Oh, yep, they did. But, uh, yeah, that, but they back me. in my day, the, yeah. That's what led me to, head to 
to give them a shout out because they they had lost like 104 games in a row. That's right. Yeah, yeah. which is really you know it, it's been difficult uh, for anyone down there to see because they were such a proud. Well, they still are. They're a proud mm-hmm. club, but they just haven't had the level of success. That said, the years I coached at Clangadoo, um, we uh, they were they were very competitive and they won a couple of grand finals while I was there. And uh, yeah, they were a very strong club. So, uh, well, but yeah, an old old friend of mine's actually coaching them these days. Um, Tassie Raymond, and uh, that, that sounds like they've got themselves. Interesting fact, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Dane Swan from uh, yep, he Collingwood. and Ricky Nixon were just there yeah. recently, yep. Fantastic. So Dane Swan is actually coming out of retirement. So Dane Swan is an ex-Brownlow um, medalist and mm-hmm. Collingwood legend. So I'm not sure how old he is, but he must be, you know, maybe late 30s, early 40s. But he's mm-hmm. coming out of retirement to play for uh, Nangwari Saints this weekend. Mm-hmm. He's going to pull the boots yeah. on for them, and yep. yeah. So, well, and interesting. what was what was interesting is that you know they that club had gone through all the trials and tribulations of having lost that many games in a row, and and I don't even know if you know this, maybe having been back in in Adelaide, but about a year and a half or so ago, uh, before shortly before I'd had them on, somebody had burned down their clubhouse. Yes, it was their that's arson, right. you know, it was, yeah, they burned down the clubhouse. So they were they were in the new clubhouse at that point in time, and it just was, you know, they had just won yeah. their first game. And yeah. I was supposed to have talked to two of the players, and one of the two players that was supposed to come on had done his ACL that morning during the game. So he was in he was in hospital, so he wasn't able to wow. come on that at that time. But yeah, I I mean I, I had Ricky Nixon on the podcast way back not long after I started it. And in, and quite frankly, it's the interview that I'm I'm to this day I'm still most proud of. Because, right, yeah, it's and I'll 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 tell you a little bit about it off air because I've I've mentioned it a few other times, but I just I'm really I'm really proud of 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 how that interview interview went. Um but you know it's well, he's, uh he's been involved for a long time and he's got a lot of stories of it. Oh, a- absolutely, absolutely. So you played for a while then with uh somebody who I am very closely associated with with my podcast, a uh a gentleman by the name of Kim Harrison. And uh, right. if if people listen, if you're listening to my podcast, you're going to know him as Mick Aussie because Mick usually comes on almost every week. And we, t- we discuss the upcoming games for that, that upcoming round there. So you have to have at least a, uh, you know, a, a story about where, you know, Mick did something during the course of a game that was just, you know, like jaw dropping where he had a phenomenal game because he, as he, he always says, he's a, he was a pretty fair player, but he does, he never, he never toots his horn too much. So I don't really know how good of a player he actually was, but then there also, there've got to be at least a story or two where he's going to really be unhappy that we talk about it in this situation here. Yeah. Are you sure he doesn't toot his horn too much? I you know, the right I, guy. Yeah, I, <laughs> no, I, I think I do because I, yeah, I don't, you know, I've asked him about that. Cause I mean, I, I mean, I think I described him once during an episode, but you know, it was about, you know, a, a you know, great player with South Gawler and he corrected me on it. He's like, no, I, I was pretty fair, but I don't know if I was great. Yeah. No, buddy, Jake, he was, no, nah, he was, he was better than, than fair. He was a very good footballer and uh, we didn't actually play a lot of football together. So mm-hmm. that was obviously our connection with South, uh, South Gawler. He went on, as you probably know, to play in the SANFL league with, uh, mm-hmm. with a team called Woodville, which is, no longer Wood, exists. They, they merged. Right? Yeah, well, they merged with West Torrens uh, a few years later. So, okay. Um, so yeah. So no, he was he was a you know certainly uh, one of the better players to come out of Gawler back in the day. So so in terms of uh, football together, we actually didn't play a lot together. He um, he went back to the club after he'd finished his SANFL um, journey, 
and uh, and he won uh, a couple of flags uh, with South Gawler, but okay. uh, I'd already moved down the southeast. So uh, yeah, so we kind of crossed paths. A bit. I mean, we've we've known each other for a long time, but uh, yeah, we kind of crossed paths in terms of footy together uh, briefly. But um, yeah, he was uh, yeah he was a, a very good footballer, a complete package. He was good size. He was a lovely left foot. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he had he had really good skills. He was tough. And uh, yeah, it was uh, he, uh, well, which is why he went on to play uh, play for for Woodville because uh, he was pretty handy. Um, so yeah, I thought about stories I could tell. There's probably not a lot of stories I can tell that you know. I'm assuming this is a family show, so um, uh, well, that does make I, I, it a little I have bit a, I have a button where I can mark things explicit if need be. That's <laughs> no bit. Yeah, I mean, it's I I I don't uh, I don't go around you know you know dropping f bombs you know every single no, episode no, no. of that sort of thing like that. But I mean, no, I. No. I, I have I have sworn a few times during you know. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Look, in all honesty, he wasn't too bad. I, w- I will say, you know, he wasn't a bad looking rooster and uh, he um he didn't do too bad um you know <laughs> with the opposite sex, let's say. So uh and it wasn't through, you know, well, you know, he worked pretty hard at it too, let me mm-hmm. add, but uh he um, you know, he he did have a bit of success in that area. I did hear a story that he went back to Gawler a couple of years ago and he he wouldn't go anywhere without his media his Canadian media pass uh-huh. in Gawler. So everywhere he went, he went out for tea, he went and bought petrol, he went down to the local shop to buy milk, he had his media pass on him. So I, I I don't know if that's actually true, but I'm not sure exactly what he expected that media pass was gonna get him in in Gawler, you know. Is he, get, is he going to get a discount or something like that? I'm not or, too you know, sure. I'm not yeah. too sure, but obviously he was fairly proud of his media, Canadian media <laughs> pass. But well, that, uh, I mean, that's and I didn't. I'll be honest, I didn't. You know, I, I guess I, it makes sense that he has one, but I, I that's not something that ever came up in conversation before. But uh, right. maybe he just it, forgot to take it off. I don't know. Well, yeah. Maybe. I mean, I, I, you know, we have you know the the little ID pass that gets us, you know, that allows us to swipe into our school, you know, in the you know in and out of the building. So. Yeah, I guess it makes sense that he would kind of have that sort of thing, but uh, yeah, no, that's yeah. it. He, um, yeah, that's right. He's done particularly well, with, obviously, with his uh, with his media work in mm-hmm. his uh, overseas, and you can always tell, you know, as a young bloke, he's very entrepreneurial, and you know, the fact he was tech savvy at a young age, you know, you just knew he was going to pick that up and and take that beyond, you know, Gawler, and right, uh, right. you know what he's done's been uh, been been really exciting for him, and yeah, he's. Uh, oh. He's seeing a lot of the world, and yeah, yeah, he's done really well. And now, did did I think you got a chance to run into him while he was home a few weeks ago? No, uh, I missed him unfortunately. Oh. We tried to catch up, but uh, unfortunately, he was uh, kind of I was away when he was in Gawler, and uh, yeah, we just didn't get a chance to catch up in okay. Adelaide. So, uh, but now that I've I've hung the boots up myself, I'll uh, hopefully be able to see a bit more of the world, and might be able to cross paths not too well, far down the track. I would I would suggest if you're going to go see him in Edmonton. Do it in your Wrong winter. Up. Do it in your yeah. winter time. Okay, I yeah. I don't I don't know how much snow you have seen in your lifetime, but no. uh, you will you if you've not seen any, you will see all that you need to see for an entire lifetime if you go to Edmonton. Uh, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't snow a lot in Adelaide. I'm here to tell you. So uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think but, I think once the uh, yeah once the excitement of it's gone after a couple of days, we'll be ready to go. I think so. Oh yeah, it's uh, it is. Uh, you know, we get we get plenty of cold weather here, but it, they they are they are cold weather on steroids up there. I don't I don't know how they do it. It's uh, thank thank you no. Um, yeah. So, 
I guess since you are in in Adelaide, I want I want to toss this out here because I've I've not seen anything that's following it up yet. But uh, maybe you know more about this story than I do. But uh, something that kind of broke last week or the week before, where one of the clubs from the Sandful had kind of put their hand up saying, "Hey, we'd like to be the twentieth side to come into the AFL once Tasmania does." Is is there any truth to the rumor with Norwood wanting to do so- that? So I'm a member of Norwood. I'm a I'm a okay. very pas- passionate Norwood supporter. So I've been watching this one closely, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and it depends on who you talk to. I guess you'd have to argue where there's smoke, there's fire. But um, Norwood are quite adamant. They're saying they're not and they haven't entered into discussions. They haven't flagged any interest in being the 20th AFL side. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the, the history of that goes back to before the Crows came in. In actual fact. Um, and, and again, the Crows kind of came into the competition in 91 as a result of Port Adelaide Football Club expressing an interest and uh, then the Crows got their skates on and they put the bid in and and, and trumped them, I guess, or mm-hmm. uh, got in first. But originally it was Norwood that was uh, that was posing the idea of entering in the competition around the same time Port Adelaide were okay. back in the back in the late 80s. So obviously with the Crows coming in in 91, um, you know, Port Adelaide Power came in a few years later. Um, Norwood's kind of always just been accepted that they were never going to be side because in the in the SANFL, which is our our our, our main league. competition, mm-hmm. state league, yeah, that's right. Uh, Norwood and Port have been probably the longest and most successful uh, clubs. Okay. So it was natural that either one of those was going to take up a a license. Um, yeah, I, I'm not too sure that okay. how much truth is in it, but there's a lot of heavyweights in the media that are that are actually saying there's some substance behind that. Okay. So the club's come out officially and said not interested. No, it's not us. But okay. you know, it'll be it'll be watched this space, I think, over so, the next few months. So I'm gonna ask you to speculate here in a moment about that, but I, I do have to I do have to put this out here. Knowing that your wife is a Collingwood supporter yeah. and knowing how she probably feels about those jumpers that Port Adelaide wore this past weekend. Yeah. Um if they were to come, if Norwood was to come into the competition, would Ed, and I have to make sure I look at it because I wrote it down over here. So I'm going to look at my screen here. Would Eddie McGuire insist that they change their <laughs> name to to Nor Fibrous Vertical Plant Life, so they were uh, not Norwood? Oh, it depends. If he saw there was an interest for Collingwood in doing so, then absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, look, you know, like I mean, everyone's got their opinion, I guess, on the prison bars. My wife, personally thinks, you know, for what it's worth, she actually thinks that Port should be able to wear. It's their traditional Guernsey. Mm-hmm. They're not asking to wear it against Collingwood. Right, um, right. You know, I don't know why Collingwood think they have the rights in a national league to two colours uh, and nobody else can. We know that that's their traditional Guernsey as well, but right. Port's only asked to use it in, um, you know, well, certainly at the moment in showdown. So, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, who would know? Who would know? Eddie's you know, always on his soapbox about something. And, uh, you know, he carries a fair bit of weight. Um, but, uh, yeah, he lost this one, which, well, that's the other thing Eddie McGuire doesn't like doing is losing. So, uh, yeah, he lost that argument. So he still hasn't shut up about it, though. He's still going on about it. Oh, My yeah, God. yeah, that's Move true. on. So if if Tasmania does finally come in as the 19th club, which I, I it almost, you know, you know much more about the game in your country than I do, but, if 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 they're able to make a club viable in Tasmania, where which has quite frankly been a hotbed for a huge amount of talent that has come into 
the VFL, other state leagues, now into the AFL over the years, you know, yeah. it, it seems like that would probably be the smart choice. One, you know, to basically help to rekindle a lot of those struggling, you know, country clubs and that sort of thing to get more people involved in playing the game in in Tasmania. You know, it would it only makes sense that they would probably bring in a twentieth club not long afterwards. So if it's not Norwood, where do you yeah. think it might be? Oh, look, I think Tasmania is the obvious choice. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not obviously privy to the the financial aspects of it, but um, you know, Tasmania is a football state uh, through and through, as opposed to New South Wales, for example, where we've got two teams in uh, Greater Western Sydney and the Sydney Swans, but they're not a football, a traditional football state. Neither is right. Queensland, and we've got two teams up there. So, I guess the argument with Tasmania is just the the numbers and just getting the crowds, and you know, it's mm-hmm. obviously our smallest state. So will they get the the support of, you know, is there going to be enough people going through the turnstiles to make it viable? Yeah. They play, as you're probably aware, they play um, North Melbourne and, and Hawthorne play a number of matches there right, each right. year. Um, and they seem to get fairly well supported, but I guess having a permanent presence there is, um, uh, you know, it's a different matter altogether. So for me personally, I don't think Adelaide can sustain a third side. I mean, it's a madhouse here with two mm-hmm. as it is. So having three, and I just don't think we're a big enough state to accommodate that. Um, so personally, I think Tasmania is the way to go. I'd hate Norwood to go in because, you know, I've then got to make it, personally, I've got to make a decision. Do I follow the Crows or do I follow Norwood? I don't even want to think about that one. Right, but, right. Um, but, but you know, you know, it's not about me, believe it or not. It's um, it's about the welfare of the game. I think Tasmania's an obvious choice, and so, look, I think it'll happen. I, I genuinely think it'll happen. So let's eventually. let's say let's say Tasmania comes in as side number nineteen. Yeah. Who, who who becomes side number twenty then? Because they're going to want to have a twentieth team, so that, so that you don't have somebody having a week off every week. I would think. So who do you yeah, think will be the twentieth side? Yeah, well, I don't know, to be honest. Uh, there has been flagged uh, a side from the Northern Territory mm-hmm. over the years, um, which, again, is a football-loving state, and the quality of football in the Northern Territory is particularly strong. And, again, you know, you mentioned about a uh, breeding ground for AFL footballers. There's been some magnificent footballers right, coming right. out of the Northern Territory, so uh, particularly out of the Indigenous communities, you know, some of the players that have come down and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Riolis and the Longs, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there's been some royalty coming out of the Northern Territory. The challenge with the Northern Territory is obviously the weather conditions up there. It's very hot and humid yes. uh, during our football season. So that then, you know, puts another factor that uh, they've got to try to work around, I guess, Um you know, how that's going to affect, you know, player well-being and, you know, health and et cetera. And I guess the unfair advantage of, you know, having a side up there that plays those conditions particularly well as opposed to, you know, most clubs aren't going to experience that maybe once or twice a year top. So, yeah, yeah so, but that, again, I don't know how far progressed those discussions have become, but to me yeah. that would be where it might be. There is some, some talk about a third team in uh, New South Wales uh, again, but um, I mean, they're still trying to get uh, Greater Western Sydney with a foothold, uh, right, right. and they still haven't achieved that to where they thought it would be, is my understanding. So, uh, yeah, so I'm not too sure. There's yeah. um, obviously people getting paid a lot more money than me to, to make these <laughs> decisions, but uh, yeah, I, I think the immediate one will be Tasmania, though. I'd yeah. be very surprised if that's not the case. So, yeah, the I other do. thing that might happen that we might see, though, is there are a couple of clubs that are struggling financially. And again, not knowing the full ins and outs of it, 
but that may be the option, a, a similar thing that happened with Fitzroy Football Club back in the VFL days where they relocated them up to Brisbane and they became the Brisbane Lions. Right, right. We may, uh, well, Bears originally, exactly, yeah. and then later on the Lions. We may see a similar situation there where one of the struggling clubs moves down to Tasmania and that's the lifeline for them. Um, and, uh, you know, and whether that's a, a Victorian-based club or, you know, the, the Gold Coast Suns or someone like that, that uh, although I'm pretty sure the, the Suns would be happy going from, uh, you know, playing in 22-degree balmy days most Saturday afternoons to going down to minus three in Launceston yeah, on, yeah. A, uh, on a weekly basis. I'm not sure exactly. that would be too happy yes, about yeah. that. Yeah, because I, I, fi- I figure if they, if they had a club in Darwin, for example, I think it would almost necessitate having you know like a smaller scale version of marvel stadium there you'd almost have yeah, to have them right. something indoors so yeah. Yeah. To, le- yeah. to level the play you know, to, to level the playing field it would almost have to be almost exclusive to the club they did their training in there they played their games in there you know so yeah. you know, so both clubs would be acclimatized to the same climate inside the stadium yeah oh absolutely and i think you know there's obviously answers to the problems and mm-hmm. that's that's a really good one but it would be awesome to see because the amount of untapped talent in the AFL, in in the you know even in the remote communities around Darwin, um, Alice Springs, etc., mm-hmm. is absolutely scary. My nephew uh, used to go up there and play uh, in the off season, so they play their season in the in our right, summer right. and uh, in the wet season. So he would go up, and I'd go up and watch some, and some of the footy was just unbelievable, you know. So uh, yeah, so look, being able to, for them to tap into that and keep. You know, get some of the locals playing. It would be pretty exciting, I reckon, if they could get it right. Okay, so a couple things before we wrap up. Um, you know, if if you could make, if if uh, Gil decides to, you know, he's probably coming to Adelaide for uh, for the uh, gather round tournament because I keep hearing rumblings that this is going to be his swan song that he's stepping down. <laughs> well, he well he is an Adelaide boy, so yeah. he's born and bred Adelaide, so he's yeah. coming home. Yep, for sure. So. If you if he sat down, you know, if he if he said, Zobes, I want to sit down and talk with you, man. We've got we we need to make some adjustments to some aspect of the game, you know, maybe the rules or something regarding the structure. What would you suggest to him? Uh that's an interesting one. I'd I'd i as as a football fan, I'd really love to see them stop playing with the rules as much as they do. I mean, you know, it seems every year there's new interpretations come out, and I'm not sure if it's you've seen from last weekend. You Next know, the, we had a oh man, you know, like they they got it wrong <laughs> last year, and they seem to acknowledge that they got it wrong and they moved away from it, and then some random call over the weekend pulled it out of nowhere. Which uh-huh. I don't care what I don't care what anyone says that that affected the course of the game, and I don't oh, yeah. I don't barrack for either side, so I don't care, but. Um, you know, you can't have decisions like that impacting on a uh, on a game. And I think they just seem compelled to want to change the rules every year. And mm-hmm. it frustrates the supporters. It must be a, it's a difficult enough game to umpire already without changing interpretations and throwing in more rules all the time. And the example I always use with that is is our state league, the SANFL. Um, you need to be almost murdered before you get a free kick in the SANFL, right? Which um, <laughs> Is but which sounds terrible, but it's actually a good thing because it doesn't get over umpired. If they pay, I mean, they make mistakes. Umpires make mistakes, mm-hmm. and you know, but but in general terms, it is not over umpired, and they just let the game go on. And uh, you would prefer that they miss free kicks than pull free kicks out every 
every 10 seconds. It's almost like every stoppage in the AFL, there's a free kick. And um, I don't understand it because it's not great for spectators. It frustrates the players and mm-hmm. I'm sure, and the umpires just increase their level of abuse. So I, I would really like to see them, you know, almost take the SANFL model and go, well, let's let umpire it less and let the game move on. Uh, because, I mean, the game's never been faster. It's never been more skillful, right, um, right. you know, and, and you know, they're pulling frees out that, in my opinion, that just don't exist, and it just frustrates people. So, so, let, so me ask you, let me ask you this then. Um, me. Does that mean that in, in the Sandful, is is it a more physical game in the Sandful since free kicks are not being awarded as often? Are players thinking, I can get away with a little bit more? No, it's not. No, no, it's certainly. I mean, footy's moved on from being a, a, a you know, a physical game of the 80s and the 90s. Right, um, right. You know, it, that, that just doesn't exist anymore. So there's still, uh, you know, protection of the head, mm-hmm. um, you know, all of that sort of stuff. There's no, uh, you know, general rough play, you know, melees and all of that sort of stuff don't exist. It's more just, in actual fact, it's, it's probably more of an open game because the game moves on so quickly. Um, you know, it's obviously not at the same level of, as AFL because the quality of football is uh, the same. But um, but it's just a more free. I believe it's a more free flowing game, and I guess it's less frustrating. That's the thing. I mean, we all go to the footy, or we all watch the footy to enjoy it. We don't want to be frustrated every you know every two minutes, and mm-hmm. that seems what happened. If you go onto your your social medias on any given game, and I've probably been guilty of it myself, but you know the majority of the feedback is around. The free kicks, you know, and the unfairness of it, or the unevenness of it, or you know, the descent one. Obviously, the the you know social media blew up on the weekend, right? And right, right so because that was kind of typified where, but I think that really did typify where it's at. You know, it's open to interpretation, and now of course the AFL's come out and done everything can they can to justify that decision, but it was a terrible one. But that was purely because I've just thrown in another rule that I think will help improve the game, yeah. and it's just more for the umpires to worry about. So I'd like yeah. to see him. Dial that back. That would be my call. Okay. So who was the greatest player that you have ever seen in person? So you might be able to Google this bloke's name. I didn't know you were going to ask me this, but I have the same answer every time. So there's a gentleman that used to play, and this is a fantastic story. So my first year when I moved to Mount Gambier, I played for a team called South Gambier Football Club, and they recruited uh, – he, he was a reasonably young fellow at the time. might have been 20 or 21. And this bloke would have been – and I don't want to – I don't want to do him an injustice here, but he was probably 140 kilos in size, right? He was a big, big unit. His Holy name is cow. his name was Michael Timms, and uh, they recruited him. And how they recruited him was that he had played in the lower league. So, like most country country areas, there's you know different divisions. So, Clangadoo, for example, is Division Two of the country in the in the lower southeast of the state. Um, I went down and played in what's called the Western Border, which was kind of the Premier League. So uh, Michael Timms had been playing in the Mid-South-East, which is the lower league, since he was probably 15, playing A-grade. Mm-hmm. And he kicked 100 goals. He was a full forward. He would kick 100 goals every year. And he did it for from he was 15 up till he was 21. So everyone kept saying, well, you're an absolute superstar in the, in the Mid-South-East. Good luck making it in the Western Border. So he thought, right, well, I'll go and play Western Border. And obviously the club that I, was, I went to, he went to the same club. And I saw this bloke on the first night of training and I thought, you know, this, how's this bloke even move, you know? But yeah. he was actually the quick, quickest bloke over 10 metres in the club. Wow. Um, anyway, I soon found out why he was so, he was just an absolute superstar. He had the best set of hands. He had the perfect lead. He didn't have to lead because his body work was exceptional and he had the most phenomenal kick. He could have came over 
to the US and, and made it as a punter if he decided to. He was just oh, I, unbelievable. I just I and, just found a I found a photograph of him. It uh looks the jumper uh, red shorts, white jumper. It almost looks like a Sydney Swans. Yeah, it's a he played uh, for like Rome, a, like a is, South yeah. Mel, a South Melbourne. Yep, that's him. So Rome, Rome Football Club is where he came from at the time. He's had a few clubs. Anyway, he played he only played the one year with us, but everyone kept <laughs> saying to him, you know, well you're going in the other league, how are you going to go in the Premier League? He kicked 136 goals for us that year, mm-hmm. and then he just packed up his bags and he went back to his old club and said, well, you know, there you go. Um, absolutely ripping bloke. Um, I could tell you stories about him forever. I think there's a book written about him, actually. Probably the, the best story I can tell you about this guy is he genuinely was hit in Nangwari as we talk. He was crossing the road in Nangwari. He was hit by a car doing 50 kilometres an hour. The car was written off. And he limped away with nothing more than a scratch. Oh my goodness! Oh my I kid goodness. you not. I kid oh you my not. My goodness. <laughs> he was so he couldn't just play for you with stuff. He was a lovely fella. He's had some health uh, problems of late, unfortunately. And uh-huh. uh, um, but uh, yeah, but he was by far the best footballer I've seen. He actually okay. tried his hand at SANFL. Uh, he did half a lap. They paid him a bit of money to go up and train with West Adelaide. He did half a lap for pre-season. Thought it was a bit too hard. Jumped in his car and drove back to the southeast, and uh, and the the story is they're still chasing the sign on money from thirty years ago. But uh, he um, he was a yeah he was mate, he wow. was he was a he was wow. a very very good footballer. He was just a complete full forward, and uh, yeah he could have been anything. He certainly could have played SNFL or AFL, but uh, yeah he just loved having a beer and didn't mind having a beer. Let me tell you, he was I, I, uh, I, he was not one to get I, in around with. I, I know you said he's had some health issues. I I may see if I can find him online and reach out to him he he might oh, have some fantastic stories it. oh mate you could yeah he could talk for hours and he will have he's he's a very entertaining bloke and uh that would be well worth your while chasing him down and if you need a hand let me know i think he's still sure. on my phone so sure, uh, yeah. yeah if you yeah if you, if you if you want to if you want to send him my contact information that'd be awesome yeah we'll would, do. No he, problem sounds, at all. he sounds he sounds like a great a great uh oh, a great guest and, yeah he would be he would be fantastic okay. so uh, yeah so, so there you go that's the best Okay, couple couple more things before you uh, before we wrap up here. Now, um, the Adelaide Oval has turned itself over to you. The the people who run the Adelaide Oval have have, have generously said, Zobes, we you are going to be in charge of hosting the twenty twenty three Zobes Fest, and you are you are going <laughs> to be hosting talk. you're going to be hosting a a concert with. Your favorite three bands there. Now, of course, it's going to be after footy season is over, so we don't see what happened uh, at uh, at the MCG and out at, at uh, Optus with with Ed Sheeran, you know, getting all of the turf destroyed out there. But what what three bands or artists are you inviting to the Adelaide Oval to perform? Well, that's a, a question with Nano's because I do love my music, I'll be honest. And I've actually got three sons that are all musicians. One in particular has released a couple of albums. So, um, oh. so, and they don't get their musical talent from me, but I think they get their, their music appreciation from me. Okay. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Oh, who would be my top three? They wouldn't be your traditional bands, I don't think. I've never seen the Eels play live, and I've always regretted that. They played in mm-hmm. Sydney a couple of years ago, and COVID stopped me from going over to see them. So I would definitely like to go and see them, and most people are probably thinking, who are they? Um, uh, well, hopefully there's nobody going, what do you mean, what are you going to Sydney to see the Eagles for? Wouldn't you go to West Coast for that? <laughs> <laughs> no, the Eagles, not the Eagles. The Eagles. No, 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 no. I'm sorry, yeah, the I Eagles. thought you said the Eagles. Yeah, yeah. 
no, 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 let me think. I'll probably pick a couple of Australian bands, I think. Uh, gee, who would I... Uh, I'm a big Go- Gomez fan, uh, who are another American band. Are you familiar with Gomez? I'd get them to play. I, I think I'd be there with me and a handful of blokes, so okay. they're not big draw cards. Okay. Um, I do like my alternative music, I guess, and uh, so it wouldn't be a standard um a standard uh, rock lineup, I guess, that would draw the crowds. So it's probably not fair that I'm holding it at, at Adelaide Oval. I would probably <laughs> hold it in, hold it in my backyard, and uh, that would be a lot better. Um, who else would I be desperate to see that uh, that I haven't seen? Um, I don't know. I'd probably pick an Australian band that I, I really like. I'm a, a big something for Kate fan, which you you're, wouldn't have heard of, but you can Google them as well. You're you're at the Adelaide Oval. How about your sons perform? Yeah, well, yeah, that's right. Well, we'd get even less a crowd then, but uh, but uh, anyway. Yeah. Okay, I'll walk so... you back to you on those. Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know. I, to be honest, I hadn't even thought. I'm going to get off talking to you, and I'm going to go, well, that was stupid, because here's the three I should have thought of right from the word go. But, uh... Okay. So since we're, we're, since we're on the theme of threes here, okay, and we're going to take it, we're going to go away from music here, and maybe this will be a little easier for you. To... What are three movies that you think everybody should see at least one time? Uh, yeah, I got asked that once and I really struggled and I do like my movies, I'll be honest. Um, my favourite movie is probably Untouchables, but most people have okay. seen that. Um, I saw a movie on a plane a while ago. I do watch a lot of movies um, and my son, well, my youngest son is actually studying film and TV at university at the moment. He wants to be an actor. So uh, okay. so I, I get a bit more of the nuanced films and watch a few more of the arty stuff than I probably would like to. So I see a bit of that. I did see a film I really loved a few years ago, which you might be familiar with. It's a film called uh, A Cat Named Bob. Um, and it just had a beautiful message in there, and uh, it's not a, it wasn't a, a massive, uh, you know, blockbuster, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I reckon that would be a good film that uh, that people should watch. Okay. Um, and I really, I really did enjoy The Shape of Water a few years ago. Okay. Um, and uh, I know that got nominated, or it might have won yeah. some some I side think it Oscar. Got, I think it got something. nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really okay. enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a great film. And again, not everybody. Cup of tea, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I love it. But yeah, I'll, I'll watch. Maybe. Yeah, 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 that's right. Exactly. There you go. Okay. So I've got three, three of those. Okay. So last, last question before we wrap up here. What are you most proud of? In, proud of in life? Uh, oh, no doubt, uh, my family. You know, um, I've got four children. I've got two from a first marriage, and uh, Nick and myself have got two. Um, and all four kids just get on famously. Um. All four of them now are through. My oldest two are, you know, are through uni and got their careers and they're going really well. My youngest two are, are just starting university, um, but they're on their pathway now. And, um, you know, we've, we've been successful in life, uh, sorry, in business, not in life, but uh, we've had a reasonably successful business. And, you know, I certainly thank, uh, um, you know, Mount Gambia for that. They put us on the pathway for that and, uh, and that's been good. So we're now in a position where, you know, we can – Go and see a bit of the world, um, mm-hmm. but safe in the knowledge that the kids are up and away, and you know they've they've got you know they've got good morals, they've got good social consciences, um, you know they're happy, and uh, I think that's you know that's important. If your kids are are set or you know they're on their pathway, then um, I don't think you could ask for much more. Outstanding. That's I. 
I thought that might be the answer you were going to go with, but you, that was just, that was very, very, you know, I th I think they're going to, I think they're going to appreciate that answer much more than the fact that, that they're empty, that they would be emptying out your music festival. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hope, well, if they listen to this, they're going to kill me, I'm sure. But anyway. You know, well, I hope like. they listen to it because I, yeah, because then hopefully they'll, hopefully they'll tell their friends about it as well because, you know, it's a, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's and the I, plan. We'll, I, we'll, we'll certainly put it on Adelaide Lutheran social. I, so uh, I, I, we'll get it I can't exactly way. go knocking on doors over there on a regular basis and say, hey, no, you want to check right. out? Yeah. But uh, hope to get there someday. I've not, I have not had the chance to visit Australia yet. But uh, can yeah, I ask just quickly before you go? Yeah, go sorry, ahead. you did post the other day that uh, you were trying to find a game to interest your wife in, just to watch yes. a quarter of football. Uh -huh. Did you end up finding one, and how was the success? I, I have not. You know, I've. I, yeah, you you're kind of catching me a little off guard here with this, but no, I, I she really has no interest in the game at all. And I and I I wanted her before she before she watched a quarter of a game. I wanted her to watch like one of those little five minute videos that's on YouTube that basically kind of explains the game just real quickly. And she said to me, "Well, I don't want to know the rules. I don't need to know the rules." And then I'm just like, "Okay, the hell with it then." I I I may come back to it again at a later date, but uh, I had a lot of great suggestions. Uh, but I'm 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 trying to I'm trying to climb a. Uh, a, a sheer rock face with, uh, yeah. you know, ballet, ballet slippers and, uh, and, uh, you know, kitchen tongs or something like that. I'm not having a lot of success with it yet. So I, rock, rather than, I rather than forcing the issue, you know, I'll just, I'll, I'll, maybe it'll become an organic thing, but, uh, like I said, I, I tried the whole approach with, you know, you know, here's, you know, here's, you know, Diego Amir, you know, training on the beach, you know, I, yeah. he's a handsome guy. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I yeah, well, didn't, didn't work out, you know, I just, it, wow. you know, it, yeah, it wasn't, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't say here's Michael Tim's, you know, training on the beach <laughs> but, or no. And I, yeah. and I, I say that, I say that only because, you know, I am, I am down since, uh, over the last 20 months, I am down closing in on 62 kilos myself. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm trying, I'm trying to disappear. I've got another, I've got about another 30 kilos that I'd like to lose before I, before wow. I say, okay, I'm, I'm kind of where I'd like to be. So I had a long well, way to go, but, but it's congratulations. Been, I think I was under six, I was under 16s when I was 16, 60 kilos. So uh, I ain't never going back there. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, no, I mean, that's how much I've lost. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've lost, I mean, I've lost 60, almost 62 kilos. Yeah. I mean, that's how oh, much I've congratulations. lost. I, I I was a large human being. Let's put it that way, okay? Right. Um, I'm go. I'm st I'm still larger than I need to be, but nowhere near as large as I was. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh congratulations! I'm, thanks. That's, that's excellent. It, it's been you know I had I had a little bit of a health scare, and I and I and I I paid attention to it. You know, not all. You know, I uh, I'm going to be sixty later this year, um, and my. My my dad's father died at sixty nine. My dad died at fifty nine. I'm one of those people that cannot wait to be sixty, so I can tell. I can you know, I can yep. I can go. I could go to 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 where my you know my dad is, and I can say I beat you. Uh, I got I got yeah. there ahead of you, but uh, so Fantastic. yeah, it's been a it's been a it's been a battle. But uh, I mean, I I feel better than I have in a quarter century. I mean, it's it's Good it's yeah. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Good. My guest has been Andrew Zobes Zobel from Adelaide Lutheran, and uh, I wish the Bulldogs all the best this year. Um, 
I'm I'm looking forward to you know following along in the standings and seeing what happens and uh I'm sure I'll I'm I'm sure I'll see some of those things popping up in terms of how the club's doing and uh I, I truly appreciate you taking time out of your morning, sir. No, good on you, Craig. I really appreciate you taking an interest in our club and uh yeah, we'll keep you updated with how we're traveling and uh, and thanks for the opportunity. It's uh, I've really enjoyed yeah. it. It's been great. You bet. You bet. All right. Cheers. Thanks, Mark. Okay, and a Zobes, I want to thank you, man. I truly, truly appreciate you taking time out of your day to sit down and chat. A uh, lot of fun, a lot of respect for you uh, giving back to your community. Um, some great stories about Mick, uh, and uh, I'm sure he's going to appreciate those. Now, again, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget that you can find everything related to my podcast over at my website, ayankonthefooty.com. You can get on the mailing list there. Um, so when new episodes come out, they'll be in your inbox very shortly after they're released. You can leave a review. So if there's, uh, you know, if you love the show, and I hope you do, I hope you're listening and you, you go, I want to come back and listen to the next one, or you're doing that all the time anyway. But if you haven't done so already and you like what you're hearing, I do hope you'll take a minute and head over to my website and click on the leave a review button up there. And you can leave a review right on my website, or it'll take you over to Spotify or to Apple Podcast, allowing you to leave a review there. And it gives it gives the podcast some street credibility because, folks, there are a handful of us here in the United States who are, you know, actively in love with the game that you have been so kind to share with us. And, uh, you know, we're, of course, trying to grow our, I don't know if I can be so bold as to call it market share, but uh, we're trying to get more people checking out the podcast. And, uh Every little bit of help can help. So sharing an episode, telling your friends about it, leaving a review so I can then share that out on social media and let people know that other folks love this. You may want to check it out as well. It's a huge help. Okay, it's a huge, huge help. If you want to support the podcast, you certainly can do that. There's the little uh, buy me a coffee button. There's a little yellow button in the bottom left-hand corner and a little white rectangle on the right-hand side. Anything that comes in for the podcast gets turned around and used right back for the show. So I truly appreciate that. Uh, you don't have to do that, but I, I wish you, you know, I, if you are interested in doing that, I, I'll thank you ahead of time for that. Um, I don't have anything behind a paywall and I know a number of, of, uh, podcasts have a Patreon and that type of thing, but I have not gone that route yet. I, uh, I don't anticipate doing that with this podcast, possibly with the one I'm going to be getting, be beginning soon. I may end up doing something like that, but as of right now, I don't plan on doing that and I'm not going to be doing that with this one. So again, when new episodes come out, if you're on the mailing list, you'll have them in your inbox very, very quickly. Now, ladies and gentlemen, please look out for one another. Check on your friends. Make sure they're okay. Tell them you love them. Just make sure you get in touch. And if you need to talk to somebody, please check my show notes because I have numbers for Beyond Blue and uh, organizations like that in both Australia and the United States. Please reach out to somebody. Get some help. Uh, talk to someone, okay? We care about you. We care about you. Your friends care about you. They love you. So if you need to talk to somebody, please reach out and talk to somebody. Be persistent. Be persistent, okay? Now, folks, I appreciate the kind words. I thank you for the kind words. I, I cannot thank you enough for that. It, it's just, it's truly, truly appreciated. And, um, if this is your first time listening, I'll close it out the way I always do. Ladies and gentlemen, may your dribble kick never hit the post. I will catch you later. 
And this has been episode 254 of A Yank on the Footy. Remember that you can reach me by email at ayankonthefooty at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at yank, yank underscore on, on Facebook and Instagram, excuse me, on Facebook and LinkedIn. Just look for my name, Craig Wessels, or A Yank on the Footy podcast on Facebook or A Yank on the Footy on Instagram. And I have episodes that are up on my YouTube channel. Look for my name, Craig Wessels, or over on Rumble. Just look for A Yank on the Footy. And I'll be adding more and more episodes to the Rumble site uh, as we go along there because I believe I'm the only podcast over there that's doing anything related to Australian rules football. So hopefully you'll check it out. And until next time, ladies and gentlemen, this is Craig Wessels. Cheers and goodbye. <laughs>